But we're in a series, second Sunday of five. And um, last Sunday, it's called Unbreakable. And we believe if you follow the scriptures, your marriage will be unbreakable. Now, let me lead off with this. How many of you have ever had someone come and talk to you and they started talking to you about another person and it was just negative? Has that ever happened? They're like they're filling you on this other person, just negative stuff. And then somehow, some way, you get uh, uh, hooked up with this person in work, you're working by, or however it happens, and you start talking to this person and you start, and you start thinking to yourself, they are nothing like the way this person told me they were. Have you ever found that to be true? You know, what happened is that first person gave you a wrong version of that person, right? And you've got to be careful with that. The Bible says this in Proverbs 18, 17. And I wish all Christians uh, would follow, do this verse. Maybe I'm, I, 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 it's personal for me because I've been talked about so many times in my life and no one comes to ask me my side of the story. But here's the verse that I like a lot. It says this, the first to plead his case seems right until another comes and examines him. What does that mean? The first person to come and share their side of the story, they always seem right, don't they? It just says, yeah, that's gotta be right. Until the other person comes and gives you the other side of the story, then it's like, oh, that's completely different than what the first person told me. Any amens on that? And so when you get both sides of the coin, you get the right version. Now, I say that to say this, that we're going to talk out of Ephesians 5 today. When I did the, um, the series Identity last month, and I, 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 um, it was through Ephesians, I skipped Ephesians 5 on the marriage part of love and respect because I knew I was going to be talking about it in this series. And we're going to talk about in Ephesians 5, specific, we're, going to, we're going to go over that one verse that everyone knows, whether you're a follower of Christ or not, whether you're a church person or not, whether you love, being, love Christians or hate Christians, you all know the verse. And the verse is, wives, oh, you know the verse. (laughs) Wives, submit to your husbands. That's the verse that sends people running out with their head on fire, man. That's the verse that people out there in the culture, they say, oh, it's a war against women. See, it's not any of that stuff. But I'm here to tell you that maybe you got the wrong version of it. And I'm going to give you the other side of the coin. I'm going to give you the Bible side of the coin to give you the right perspective and teaching on this that maybe you haven't been given. Does that sound like a good plan today? Okay, yeah, this side's excited. The other part's not so sure. Now, what we do in every series is this. We uh, have a key verse that's for the entire series that we read every week. And here it is. I'm going to count to three. You read it out loud. It's the only time I'm going to ask you to read it out loud. Here we go. One, two, three. And if one can overpower him who is alone, two can resist him. A cord of three strands is not quickly torn apart. Now, if you're watching online at home, because you're cutting in and out of all the Super Bowl stuff right now, understand, you're with us now right here, that it's the third strand in a rope. The third strand is what makes that rope strong. And there are third strands in relationships that make it strong. There are third strands in marriages that make it strong. And we're going through third strands. And last week, I talked about attitude that our attitude needs to be a Christ attitude, Philippians 2, for it to be strong marriage. Today we're going to look at love and respect because that's the third strand that makes a marriage strong. So our tagline has been this, would you? Let me read it. Let me read it first so you get it right because first service, they got it wrong and we're going to get it right. We really like make this one. 
No, hey, 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 hey. Let me finish. Make this one the best one. Now, read it like that. Here we go. Make this one the best one. Yeah, you got to pause like that. I feel better about my life right now because you did that. What, what do I mean by that? If you're married right now, make this one the best one. If you're single, divorced, one day you're going to get married praying about the right person, you know, make this one, the next one, the best one. If you've picked wrong in the past, we want to fix your picker, okay? <laughs> There's things you got to look for, all right? Because if your picker's broken, you're going to go through the same situation. Now, so we're going to take this whole idea here of love and respect, but first we're going to deal with this. And if you have your Bible, open it to Ephesians 5. If you have an app, you have an app. It'll be on the screen if you have either one of those. But we're going to take this whole idea here uh, first of like wives submit your husbands. Then we're going to fit it into love and respect. And how many are ready for that one? Okay, if you're not ready, I'll go somewhere. There's a church wants to hear this. Anybody ready for that? Yes. Now you're in it. Okay, now you're in it to win it. Okay, good. So, I'm going to give you two points, two sub-points in point two, and we're going to go through Ephesians 5, some verses in there and some other verses as we go along. But in Ephesians 5, <clears throat> point one is this. Marriage is mutual submission. Now, if you remember last week, I made a statement to, to show you what one of the problems is in marriage, and that is I took you back to Genesis chapter 3, verse 16. After Adam and Eve sinned, Verse 16 of Genesis 3, it's not in your notes. It says this, that a woman's desire shall be for her husband. The word desire means to run after or run over. She wants to run over her man. But it says, but he will rule over her. Do you hear the budding heads on that one? She in the fall of mankind, she wants to run over her husband. He wants to rule over her. And you're button heads and button heads. And some of you are there right now, huh? And it's no fun. Here we go again. Didn't we do this yesterday? Oh, man, you're getting kind of quiet on me now. So what's the answer to that one? Mutual submission. Now watch this. I'm going to correct some thinking right now, I think. Verse 22 of Ephesians 5. Wives, here it is. Your head's going to catch on fire. <laughs> Wives, be subject to your own husbands as to the Lord. If you have a traditional Bible, a paper Bible, look at it right now. What is unique about the words be subject or be submissive? Look in your paper. What is it? They're louder what? They're italicized. Now, if you don't know what that means... I'm going to tell you. That means that they're not in the original manuscript. They're added to give us insight. And so it really says, wives, to your own husbands as to the Lord. Now that sounds weird, doesn't it? So what must you do to find out what this really means? Well, you've got to remember that when these things were written, they didn't have numbers there to tell you a verse. They didn't have chapter breaks. They didn't have any of that. It's a scroll. It's a letter. So you can't take out a verse like verse 22 and say, there it is. You build a theology that's, that's heresy. So you must back up in the letter to find out what are they talking about. So you back up to verse 21 up on the screen. I'll read it here. It says in verse 21, and be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. Oh, now we find out what God is leading into marriage with. We're to be subject to one another. That's right. So now you find out 
that it is mutual submission in marriage. Does that make sense right now? Okay, now. So in my marriage, Olivia and I, we're to place ourselves under the authority of each other with God being the head of the team, right? I have a hard time because I don't even like submitting authority of my remote control to anybody. (laughs) Correct? And today is the big day. You're not letting go of that thing, huh? Let me see that, honey. No, 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 no. So, but see, uh -uh. both parties in a marriage, if you want to move towards health and an unbreakable marriage, you both submit to each other. You're not losing independence. Nobody does. But mutual submission doesn't work unless it's mutual. That's right. That's right. Good, good, good. Now, let me me try to explain how this all works. There's many ways to apply, but I'll give you one. You're a team. Now, some of how many going to watch the Super Bowl today? I'm just curious. Raise your hand. How many could care less about that game? Raise your hand. How many are going to watch it, but really just for the commercials and the food? That that's pretty much me right there. So, I mean, the Rams aren't there, so what do I care? You know. Um, so Ra- Raiders, you got to be a Raider fan. Yeah. You know, we can't leave the Raiders out of that thing. Man, you're you're Raider. I'm not going to say anything. Because <laughs> you'll leave the church and say, that pastor, you know, he hates the Raiders. He doesn't love everybody. Uh, Raiders, you know. But we're, Olivia and I are a team. Your team is a married person. So, for instance, on a team, like say today in the Super Bowl, let's say your team is one of those two teams. Not everybody on the team is a quarterback, are they? No, they got to play specific positions that they're gifted and skilled at to work together defensively, offensively to try to win the game with a head coach on the sidelines. In a marriage, God is the head coach through the scriptures. If you don't know the scriptures, everything else is irrelevant because you're going to guess and you're going to guess wrong. But once you get God as a head coach, start learning this stuff, then you work as a team. For instance, I, my wife is a detail person. I am not. I hate details. I hate crossing every T and dotting every I. I know some of you love that. Thank you for loving that. I despise that. I'm a big picture person. I'm, I'm, like, I'm like, let's go, let's charge the wall. I don't even, I don't need a plan. How many know what I'm talking about? Let's just get it going, man. And then when somebody waits too long, it's like, what are, you wait, what are we waiting for? That's the way I feel inside. I don't say it out loud anymore. Like, that's how I feel. My wife, no, let's take for instance, we're a team. So therefore, because my wife is detailed, my wife handles the budget. She does the numbers. She crunches it all. She's detailed. She does all that. All I care about is the bottom line. How many like me? Just show me the bottom line. You, you're fine. You like the numbers? Go ahead. Have at it, man, babe. Yeah. If you ask me, well, how much money you have? I don't know. My wife knows. Yeah, I know. But when it comes to, on my side, she, when it comes to big decisions that could go either way, my wife will always say, whatever you think. She always tells me that because she doesn't like the big decisions. I love the big decisions. I wish you'd all let me make big decisions for you. I I wouldn't feel bad at all. Um, And so, if I made some bad ones, yeah, I made some bad big decisions. But you know what? She still trusts. And that's the key thing. I trust her with her skill set, with the finances. She trusts me with the big decisions. That's just two compartments of how we work together as a team. Does that make sense? 
That's mutual submission. Who's ever better at it, just do it, okay? It's amazing to me. I don't, I don't do marriage counseling anymore. I don't have time. I wish I did, but I really don't. And I, I'm, like I told you before, you either love me or hate me after that hour. Um, but it's amazing to me. I, anybody like house hunters? You're pointing at your wife now, Greg? Is that what it's about? I love house hunters. I like when they go to like places I've never been before, like St. Croix or the Bahamas or something. I like, I like watching that. And so it's amazing how a husband and wife will be looking at this vacation house and they won't agree. On, they both have different tastes, right? But they, they, after the third house, which I've heard that they have to go through 10 or 12 houses, but they only show three on the show. At the end of it, they make a decision and each one compromises. And at the end of the show, there they are walking on the beach. It's the greatest decision of our life. <laughs> it's brought our family so close together. Am I right? It's like they're all happy now. How did they get there? They compromised. Mutual submission. And they're happy about it. If marriages would just get this one, my gosh, how much better would it be in life? Now, some of you got that one down. Others of you, you're button heads. I'm going to rule. I'm going to run over him. I will rule over her. You know, that's where you want to live. You want to live there, but it's mutual submission. Now, let me show you something about back to Ephesians 5.22. Watch this. It says, wives, be subject to your own husbands as to the Lord. Question, who is that specifically written to? Wives. Not husbands. But husbands love and say, you have to submit to me. Not written to you. It's written to wives. It's their choice. They have to choose to do this. Amen? Amen. Jim, you just usurped all my power. (laughs) No, I gave you balanced teaching is what I did. Now, let's see how Paul fills in the blanks now with this mutual submission because there's specific needs of the wife and specific needs of the husband. Now, point two, and that's this. Love and respect make us irresistible. How many want to be irresistible to their spouse? Well, Jim, you know, I got a, I'm, I'm, I'm 50, and my belly's done lopped over my belt, and you can still be irresistible. <laughs> Verse 23, 4 and 5, then 33, watch this. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is also is the head of the church, he himself being the savior of the body. But as the church is subject to Christ, so also the wives ought to be, notice I italicized, ought to be to their husbands and everything. Husbands, love your wives. This is how the wife mutual submission, how the husband mutual submission. Husband, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for it. Now, verse 33. Now, watch mutual submission in the way you approach each other. Nevertheless, each individual among you also is to love his own wife. There's mutual submission. You love your wife, even as himself. And the wife must see to it that she respects her husband. There's mutual submission to the husband. So, love and respect makes you irresistible. Now, One is for one side and one is for the other. In your notes, write this down. Fill it in. Wives need love. Any wives need love? Okay. Let me, what does that mean, Jim? You know, it means this. It means security. Your wife wants to feel secure that she's the only one for you. Your wife wants to feel secure knowing that you're never going anywhere. Let me tell you a couple ways this works. Um, <clears throat> your wife wants to talk to you, guy. You're going, oh, I knew you'd go there. <laughs> Let me tell you something about men and women, husbands and wives. If 
The, the, the husband says, if we're not talking about the marriage, everything's fine. The wife says, if we're not talking about the marriage, everything's bad. There's, it's two different ways of looking at things. Now, your wife wants to talk to you. Now, I've read different articles. Some say yes, some say no. I'll go with the yes. But they say that women speak 20,000 words a day and men 7,000. Let me put it to you a different way. Women speak 20,000 words a day with Gus up to 40,000. You're right, Jim. I mean, she gets on the phone with her girlfriends. They just talk for two hours straight. I don't even know how they connect the conversations. Now, your husband speaks about 7,000 words a day. This is typically about, I would say, in the 90% of men and women. So therefore, your husband at work, after he leaves, he's spoken about 6,995 words. (laughs) Right, guys? And so when he comes to the door and you're like this, (laughs) don't get mad or write me a card, okay? I like to make people laugh. So he's like, look at you like, maybe she didn't see me. (laughs) He's going to start circling the block until you calm down. No, no. But when he comes to the door, and I used to counsel married couples on this all the time. They just didn't get it. She wants to talk right now. She wants to talk to you. What happened today? And then what? 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 Look, when your husband comes to the door, most guys, you got to give that guy about an hour. Hi, honey, I love you. Five more words he had left in him. (laughs) Then leave him alone for an hour. Let him recoup. Right, guys? I gave you an opportunity, and that's all you give me back. I, sa- I just saved your life, and that. Okay, so, but after an hour, guys, you better come back and talk to your wife because she wants to talk. Because if she, uh, if she communicates with you and you talk back and you open up that little, little heart of yours up, she feels like, oh, we're so close. We're so close today. Oh, our hearts are knit. I even knit you a matching sweater. No, don't do that. I won't wear matching clothes, okay? Not happening. So with that said, security. Yeah, that that she's number one. Now, the one thing you got to watch out for, if man is, can you imagine um, how much it would hurt your spouse who wants security from you if she found out you were messengering another woman a lot or talking to another woman a lot on the phone or texting or whatever. I mean a lot, you're talking, talking. Can you imagine how much that hurts her heart? Don't do that. Don't do that. And don't justify it either. Oh, we're we're just friends. No, you are emotionally connected now. Just stop it. Remember your vows, stay true to your vows. Now let me tell you what security also means. So my, my son Nathan got married in November. And uh, <laughs> two months before the wedding, uh, he's talking to me, and uh, his now wife, Lindsay, um, she, she, they decided she was going to switch jobs, and she was going to come back and minister in our children's department because she's real good at it. But she's in between jobs, and, and he said, she's stressing about money right now. I said, well, Nathan, I go by the time she was 18, she pretty much had to make it on her own for the most part. 
And so it stresses her out. Why, man, I know, but she's... I go, Nathan, have you now told her this? Have you told her that, Lindsay, you don't have to worry anymore about these things because that's my responsibility. He looked at me, and I said, did you tell her that? He looked at me, and he said, well, not that eloquently. Uh, you know, it's funny. Now she has them on a budget. It's so awesome. Oh, it's so awesome. I go, welcome to my world, son. Welcome to my world. Now, let me tell you, men, men, you want to become irresistible to, to your spouse, do all those things. Plus, do some inside house chores. Oh, I knew you'd go there. Let, this is a scientific study. I'm not making this up. Don't look it up now. Look it up later. Don't do it when I'm speaking, okay? I got hidden cameras everywhere. They did a study. This is, I, you can't make this stuff up. They did a study. Women volunteered, and they took male sweat, and they put it on, a, on women's lips, and the women didn't know. And you know when they put the male sweat on women's lips, you know that those, for six hours, those women, they, their mood was relaxed and calm, and it increased sexual arousal in them. So men, you are one vacuuming away from the night of your life! <laughs> You've never been to a church on your side like that, huh? So you better tithe, right, men? Because now you owe me. Next, bullet point, husbands need respect. As much as wives need love, husbands need respect. Now remember, wives, you want to run him over. That's the fall of man. I'm going to run him over. I'm going to run him over. Now look at 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 1 and 2, just to reinforce what we just read in Ephesians 5, 33. It says that again. It says, in the same way, but watch what, what Peter says about this. In the same way, you wives, be submissive to your own husbands. And remember, it's mutual because we've already stated that. To your own husbands, so that even if any of them are disobedient to the word, they may be one without a word by the behavior of of their wives as they observe your the wife your chaste means pure and respectful behavior let me tell you about men the fall of man says you're going to want to run him over the man's going to sit there and say you're not respecting me and for a man let me tell you about me my wife doesn't need to love me but she does I, I, she, you got to respect me you got to respect me men need respect do you realize what Peter just said? How many ways you can win if you just respect that guy? He said you're winning to salvation first, but how many other ways? If you just respect that guy. Anyone ever see my big fat Greek wedding? One of the greatest lines in there is when he goes, you got to remember, and the wife talking, she goes, the husband may be the head, but the wife is the neck. <laughs> she turns the head, railway goes... You can turn the husband's head by respecting that man. So I have a question, a, a proposition. Wives, would you just periodically ask your husband, are there ways the way I talk to you or what I'm saying, or am I disrespecting you? Because I really want to know. 
And then when he shares it, don't give rebuttals. Now, for those of you who are panicking right now, you wives, it doesn't mean that you can never offer your husband correction. It's mutual submission, remember? What it means is that when you do correct him, don't correct him on the same thing 10 minutes later, then 40 minutes later, and then tomorrow 10 times, and then two days from there one time, and then four days later eight times. Stop it, okay? Because how many husbands really enjoy that? For a husband, for a man, let me tell you for a man, once you've told me once, it's no new information after that. You've already told me. And that's why when you tell them again, they're like this. And then you don't see a facial expression change, and so you're going to get on it. He's not listening. No, 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 no. No, no. That's what you call, um, I forgot to say this in first service, insistent and resistant anger. Wife, you start to insist and insist because you're getting angry. He's not, he insists, insists, and what does he do? Resistant, resistant. He's resistantly angry. You're insistently angry. He's resistantly angry. And it's a boom, 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 boom. Well, Jim, what do I do then? That guy needs correcting. Once you correct him, don't turn into the marriage police force. You're not to reinforce it. What you do is just tell him in love. Hey, honey, you know, you know, that, whatever, you know. And then wives, you go into your prayer closet like a maniac and say, God, my husband is stupid. You need to fix him. That guy, this, this. You come out and go, honey, what would you like for dinner? Otherwise, you bent button heads the whole time. That's no fun. If Ladies, if you respect your husband, and husbands, if you love your wives, you will be so irresistible to each other. But here's the problem, and this is a problem that I've seen. And, and, and it's, I think it's a problem for all of us, frankly. We always think, well, if they go first, I'll start loving that guy. If he's, you know, I'll start respecting him if he starts loving me. Well, I'll start loving her. I sound like a cowboy, huh? <laughs> I'll start loving her if, you know, if she starts respecting me. They go first. If you keep waiting for everybody to go first, ain't nobody going to go. And I'll give you a, a thought on that. All those verses said that when you do these things, you do it in the fear of the Lord and as to the Lord. So the Lord becomes very prominent in how you go about this. So I'll insert Jesus now. Did Jesus come to earth, walk around and say, you know what? This whole cross, going to the cross thing, I know it's prophesied and everything. But you can forget it. I'm not going to any cross until everybody starts repenting and starts coming to me. Did he do that? He went first. And he went all the way. And there are billions of people that have never responded to him, but he still went first. And in marriage, you want to you make your marriage unbreakable? You go first. Well, Jim, I tried it for three days. <laughs> yeah, three days. Go plant a seed in the ground and water it and see what happens in three days. Ain't gonna have nothing yet. Crops take time. Now, let me close with this, though. If you, husband, love your wife, and wives, if you respect your husband then you will no longer have this problem. You see, 
whenever, and I'll get to the problem in a second, whenever Jesus, when, when he was asked about marriage, he instantly went way back to Genesis to the beginning of how it's supposed to be. And that'd be smart for all of us. Go to the beginning. Let's see how the foundation should be. In Genesis 3, when Adam and Eve are there in the garden and the serpent is tempting, question, Eve dialogues with the serpent. Does Eve ever consult with God or her husband? Never does. She's living independent of him. That's a dysfunction, right? Adam, in case you didn't know, is standing right next to her. How do you know? Well, she takes the fruit and hands it right to him. He goes, it's good. Adam said, right, Adam, does Adam do anything to stop her as she's talking to the serpent and reaching for the fruit? So he gets lazy in his position. God told Adam the chapter before, he said, I give you dominion over all the animals. And then he says, and over all the creeping things. There's a creep talking to his wife. He does nothing. He does nothing. She's living independent of him. I don't need his advice. He is living shut down. I'm not getting myself involved in this whole thing. That's a dysfunction. But when we come together in mutual submission and you wife respect your husband you will now ask for his wisdom you'll consult God on these things instead of running over him husband you will love your wife you won't grow lazy in the position and just be kind of sitting there lump on a log doing nothing about it letting things just whatever whatever I just don't want any problems because you'll inject yourself because you love see some of you in this room you grew up without any discipline at all. There was no one there to tell you that's wrong. No one cared about where you went. And what it bred in you is insecurity. Huh? Because discipline is, a, is an action of love. You, if you love your kids, you discipline them when they're doing wrong. It's just a fact. But when a husband isn't engaged, it's a sign to the wife that, well, you don't care. You don't care. You don't love me. You may think, well, she doesn't interpret that way. Yes, she does, down deep inside. If we're going to have marriages that are unbreakable, with a 100% guarantee, single person, listen to me. Wives, you got to respect that man. Husbands, you got to love that woman. And you mutually submit to each other as a team. And God's a head coach. So you better be learning the scriptures. Because if you're not, you're going to go with what you feel and think. And Proverbs says, do not lean on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. Proverbs 3, verse 5 and 6. Amen? Amen. I'm done. Let's pray.